Himalaya. You're listening to the Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya learning podcast. To access my Own Your Shit handbook filled with key insights and exercises and to join a community where you can chat with me directly, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie and enter promo code Rosie at checkout for your first 14 days absolutely free. I hope to see you there. Rosie Mercado, and this is the Girl with Self-Esteem Issues podcast where we talk about how we overcome our most difficult moments and how we come out of them even better. Today's guest is a neuropsychologist, a professor of psychology, and an author who knows all about turning moments of anxiety and difficulty into moments of triumph. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Judy. Hey, mama, what's up? I'm so excited to be with you, and I'm so happy that you're launching this podcast. I think people need to hear these messages right now, and people need to know that they're not alone. Oh my God, Mama. Well, thank you. I know that you're super busy. You have, you're, you're always busy. You have like four or five. I remember sitting and just like always watching. You always had like four or five things going. And I'm like, oh my God, she totally has everything in control. You're always doing something. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here. But before we get started, I want to recite our quote of the day. And today's quote actually comes from you. It says, sometimes we feel broken inside. We try to look for other things to fix and to fill ourselves, to fill our identity and to make ourselves feel good. But when you're broken, you'll often be attracted to people who are broken too. How does that sound? Oh, it's so true. It's so true that we do that. We try to look for people to complete us. But unless you've done the work, mama, you're just going to keep dating the same kind of person all over again. Friends who don't take care of you, you know. You're preaching to the choir, girl. How many relationships did I go to? It's like the same same person, different face. Holy shit. Like that for me, when I read that quote, I think it resonated so much. And and I think the topics that we're the topic that we're going to be talking about today is about self sabotage, like how this really. I mean, and sometimes we're like, "Why did this happen to me?" It's again and again, and I know because I went through that. I went through that. I made the same mistake several times, and it was nobody. I had to own my shit and really like face my own inner demons, and then just just get real with myself and just that address the inner voice, address everything that's going on. And when I read that quote, I was like, "I know what that feels like. I've been there." But then again, how many people do you talk to that you're like, you could recognize it, but they haven't recognized it yet? Oh, so many people. And then it's frustrating because obviously we can always see better outside of the situation than inside. And it's true for ourselves too. Like sometimes we don't see the mistakes that we're making, but other people are seeing them and they're saying, oh, I wish you would just do better for yourself and treat yourself better. So I get it. And I've seen other people struggle with this. And I think, you know, definitely in my twenties, I felt like I was dating people who like wanted a challenge. It's sort of like, if they say things like, Oh, I've never been loved. And I don't think I'll be able to love in my life. It's like, okay, but I'm going to make you love me. And yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I'm like love picking up projects. Oh yeah. I I had lots of projects in my twenties. I think after I got my license as a psychologist, I was like, you know what? I don't really need to fix people in my personal life because I'm actually trying to help people in my professional life. And hold on. Was that difficult for you when you're friends with the psychologist? Like for me, like, you know, knowing you and having worked with you and just knowing what a beautiful soul is. Did you ever find it? Like when I was going through my shit and there was several moments that I talked to you and then I look back and I'm like, damn, I was, did I really say that? Was I really went through my shit? Was it ever difficult to like kind of hold yourself back and not like call me out when you see like you're going through something and just stay quiet and just be a friend? Yeah. You know what? I think it's so important that you just 
be a good listener and be a friend and not try to psychoanalyze everybody in your life. So I definitely try very hard not to psychoanalyze people in my personal life. I do that in my professional life and that's it. But I so understand when people are going through stuff. I mean, none of us are perfect and we also yeah. have patterns and you just have to keep an eye on those patterns, you know? Yeah. I think we all still know, like, even if we've done the work, okay, here are some of my triggers. And when I get triggered, I don't feel good about that. And I might react in a way that's more emotional. And I don't know if you have certain triggers, but for me, one of my triggers is not feeling appreciated. It doesn't mean that I have to say thank you all the time, but if I feel like it's going like the complete opposite direction, I, I become more emotional in that moment. You know what I mean? I'll be like, what the heck? Like, and sometimes it's not even what they mean to do. Sometimes people, you know, they're in their own mind. But now when you get triggered, I, I have to ask you this. Like when you get triggered, do people ever call you like, or, or anybody that's close to you? Yo, you're a psychologist. What, why are you acting this way? Do you ever get that kind of shit? You know what? You know what I get more of? I actually don't get that as much, but I get this other thing where people are like, you think you're so much better than us just because you're a psychologist. <sighs> I hear that from my sister. I hear that from a couple of my friends. I'm like, I do not think I'm better than you guys just because I'm a psychologist. I like that is so far from the truth. So I think maybe that's their own belief system. Like, oh, you might be judging me because you're a psychologist. I'm like, I'm not judging you. We're all human beings and we all have our flaws and we all have our triggers and we all have our moments of self-sabotage. I mean, my whole, uh, my whole thing about this is that it's a universal phenomenon. We all fall into the trap sometimes. And I'm so glad we're talking about this now, mama, because actually it's my one year publication. <gasps> That's amazing. You guys, this is her book. Happy uh, 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 uh. Girl, you got to celebrate. Do you know, people don't understand how hard it is to write a book and then to have like a year pass by and you look at all the hard work that goes into it. So I just want to say from one, one author to you, like from, from one author to the other, like, honestly, this is a badass book. You guys really, if you guys are afraid to talk to anybody about this and you just kind of want like, all right, I want to learn about myself, but I don't want anybody to think that I'm crazy. Like this is the book to pick up because it explains so much. And we're going to be talking about self-sabotage today, which we've actually started. But before we get started with self-sabotage, tell me about right now, girl, mindfulness and mental health. I absolutely love that I've been following you on Instagram. And I'm just saying on the days that I don't feel like doing shit, like I had this morning, today's podcast day. I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I didn't feel like doing my makeup. I had my baby in my arms. I could have been like that all, absolutely all day. No shower. Just, it was just one of those days where I'm like, I really don't want to do this. But how important is mindfulness to you and just mental health? Because you put so much inspiration out there, which helps me directly. And I know a lot of people that are, that are, there's a huge need of inspiration and there's a lot of people that are hungry and they just don't know what exactly they need. You know, we need more positivity right now. So, I, I mean, it means so much uh, coming from you that you're saying that because there are some days that I, like everybody else, gets frustrated too, but it makes me feel good to be able to put out some positive information out there because there's so, so much negative information yeah. and energy right now in this world. Also, there's so many unknowns. You know, I mean, how many of us have already experienced, maybe there was a plan for something, you were supposed to travel for work or for play, and mm -hmm. now things are on hold. Everything's on delay. Who knows when this will get rescheduled, blah, blah. It's very, very hard to plan ahead right now, and that's scary for a human being. You know, yeah. as human beings, we really need to feel organized and our minds. Like we need to have things to look forward to. That's good for our mental health. But unfortunately, there's a lot of things that are just outside of our control right now. And so mindfulness then is the most important tool you have to try to like stay centered, you know, like stay in this moment. Like, oh yeah. 
nothing you can do about the pandemic or when it's going to end or whatever, you know, it's like thinking about that so much um, is hard because you can't control it. And then I think that's what leads people to feel helpless because they're trying to control things that they can't actually control. Yeah, absolutely. And then you come into this, I mean, what, so we have this pandemic going on. There's so many things that change. You ha- we have to be rewired. We have to learn how to do things in a different way. Um, because if not, you just feel kind of like stuck in place and you feel like you're in your own jail, like your home is your own jail. So what do you think is like the biggest struggle people are dealing with right now? I think the biggest struggle that people are dealing with right now is prioritizing what they need to do next. I think the fact that our home environment and our work environment, like social environment, like everything's all blended and condensed into one thing. Yeah. Because most people are not going out and partying. I mean, yeah, every once in a while you might do a social distancing visit, but in general, you're not free to do whatever you want. And so I think that's been very difficult for people. I think the fact that you're not able to do the things that generally make you happy, you know, people like hiking, going to dinners, like all of these experiences that you can have. And yet you have this one little space, which is your home and you got to take care of the kids, educate your kids, (sighs) deal with your household chores, like have social interactions via zoom or whatever. Yeah. That is very, very hard for a human being to do. Human beings are meant to be on the move. Like we like to like go from one place to another. And mama, you were like that when we were working on Face the Truth. I mean, you were always zipping off to the next project, the next thing, go and see your children and their plays and what they were doing. You know, I mean, but that was- People don't understand how- much this impacts you mentally and emotionally and how draining it could be just to be at your home in one place doing everything that needs to be done and to keep a smiling face. So this is why mindfulness and like really being able to notice your mental health is so important because sometimes we let it go and it impacts not only us, but the people that we love because bad energy, it's like, boom, like you're in this negative energy, you're angry, you're frustrated your kids get frustrated. Your husband starts picking up that energy and then you have a house full of chaos. And then what happens next? It's just like this domino effect that keeps going and going and going. So that's what I love that you post so many things like instant tips that you could do in order to change that before you self-sabotage. All right, mama. So, so what happens? Like, what are things like, I love, I love going to your Instagram and let me tell you why you guys need to follow her because if I'm having a shit day and it's kind of like, everything kind of falls into place. And and it always is when you have like this bad day or you're like in this negative emotion, it's like that like starts creating more negativity, more negativity, and it starts attracting that negativity. So when I go to your Instagram, you have quick tips like that to change your energy, change your mood. And I think that's so important. What is something that right now the listeners can do in order to change their energy? If they're going through frustration or they're just angry or you're just having a, a bad moment, what can they do instantly to change their energy? Well, two things. And the first thing is to change our mindset. Mindset is absolutely in our control. We got to focus on the things that we actually can control right now. And so the way to change your mindset, the very quick way is just to name three things that you're grateful for. And you know, some days you're going to be grateful for bigger things like this. So every morning I do like my three things of gratitude. I just start my morning with it, but it's also really great when you're like in a moment of distress and you want to do it at that moment. But this morning when I woke up, I had my three things of gratitude. And one is like, I'm glad I have my health. And two, I'm so glad that I'll get to connect with my friend Rosie today. Three, and this sounds like, and this is something that we can remind ourselves of, like, I'm so glad I have a home to be in right now. Like, I know I'm so frustrated being in one place. And that's, I've been feeling that a lot right now, Mama. And I had to just tell myself, you're lucky you have a roof over your head. 
you have a nice family, like you have food on the table, like just remember that even, even though it's okay to feel frustrated, it's just good to have that moment of gratitude. And then the second thing I love to tell people to do is do something joyful. Like joy is also in our control. So many people think, oh, I can't be happy. Joy is right. It's, It's that simple. It's that simple as putting some good music on and getting the movement in your body and just listening to something that kind of like changes the energy because when you start doing that, then it like, it just kind of explodes. And then your kids see you doing that or your life partner sees you doing that. Like, it just kind of like, oh, all right, let's, let's do this. It just gets you, it kind of like just gives you a mental break and just to be present. It really does. And I think that sometimes people are thinking too big. They're like, well, what makes me happy is traveling and I can't travel right now. It's like, okay, but what makes you joyful on a day-to-day basis? And I'll share some of those simple things just like you did, like dancing always. You know, for me, this is as simple as it gets. My morning coffee, I look forward to that so much. See, that's the great thing. People don't take all these little things for granted. Just having just having the ability to be able to make your own coffee and drink it peacefully and being able to appreciate that, people take that for granted. They really do. And I think, again, you know, it's those little moments that bring you joy, that can change your mindset, that can make you feel more even-minded. It's not the vacation. The vacation, it is amazing, obviously, but then you feel good for a few days and then you come back and you're like, boo, now I'm not on vacation. Yeah. Little things of life, like the dancing, the fun, you know, impulsive moments where you're just like, all right, I'm going to rock out or like, I'm going to have some coffee or, okay, I'm just going to, you know, listen to one of my favorite, you know, favorite poets, like read something, like listen to an audiobook. whatever it is, it's at your fingertips. It's about adding in positive events every single day in your life. Cause that's what the research shows makes us feel more content over time. It's just the little moments of positivity little moments. And that's really, you know, I keep saying like doing these little things are things that you could do instantly to change your energy, change your mind frame. And not only that, remember when at home you impact everybody that is around you. Now, when we don't do those things, we end up self-sabotaging. What is self-sabotage, mama? You are the queen of this. Please explain to everybody in case you're doing it and you don't know that you're doing it. That's right. So self-sabotage put very simply is just when we get in our own way, despite our best intentions. And I think people do that a lot with all different kinds of things. They do it with relationships. They do it with career. They do it with health habits. They do it with all kinds of things that just occur. And then you feel like, oh no, why did I do that? Well, it's a very common feeling. You know, all of us have various types of goals in the different areas of our life. And sometimes we're turning along and all of a sudden like, whoops, why did I do that? Why did I take such a step back? The problem is after that, people then beat up on themselves. And then you're like, well, I can never do this anyway. And then you quit and then you don't even go back to it. And that's the kind of thinking that we definitely want to help people work on so that they can still keep making movement towards their goals. Oh my God, right now that you said that, you know what that takes me back to? It takes me back to every single time that I wanted to start a diet and lose weight. I'd be like, I'm all motivated. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's like, I always would set myself up for failure. Why? Because the moment that I didn't see the the scale move, like literally like two days into my, into my, and I went into the mentality of diet instead of healthy lifestyle. Like it's all perspective, but I'd like two days, like I ate healthy and I'm drinking water and my second day exercising, right? And I jump on the scale and literally my weight hasn't moved. And I'm like, I'm never going to get this done. I went from like one place to like a very negative place. And then it's like, 
I go straight back to the fridge and because I'm so upset, I start eating and then I start eating and I'm like, all right, here I am again doing the same thing that doesn't serve me. And then I start beating myself up and I feel like crap. And I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people, regardless of your size, you have done that. And then you're like, all right. Yeah. And that's why we have to stop the roller coaster because that's that up and down feeling of, okay, it's going great. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden you hit a snag and then you throw out the entire baby with the bathwater. And we don't want to do that. You know, we have to start anticipating that we're going to make it mistakes along the way. We're going to have a couple of setbacks. That's okay. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, Mama. So I have your book right here. Stop yeah. self-attached. I remember in the studio, you were on your computer, you were writing away and you tell me about that. And like, we are both with the same home, HarperCollins. Yes, HarperCollins won. It's like so crazy um, when we talked about this. But why did you decide to write a book about self-sabotage? Like what resonated about this? Well, I realized that everybody was doing it. It doesn't matter how successful you think you are or how, you know, how together your shit is. Everybody self-sabotages sometimes. And it's because it has evolutionary roots. You know, we self-sabotage because sometimes things feel a little too scary to us. And our minds and our bodies are designed to protect us from danger. Like if a fire started to envelop this building, I would run out and that fight or flight complex is needed. But sometimes we have that fight or flight come up And maybe it's just more fear that isn't founded. You know, it's like, but what if somebody doesn't like my message? Or what if that person rejects me? Or what if this relationship fails again? Or, you know, what if I try to apply for this new job and I get laughed at? And those types of things obviously are risky, but don't let yourself get afraid to the point where your fight or flight gets triggered and then you start running away from it. So that's basically what happens in self-sabotage is that your your, um, tendency to avoid threat goes on overdrive, but it still comes from a good place. The good place is that your mind and your body are trying to protect you. And that's why it has evolutionary roots. It's all about survival and your self-sabotage triggers come up when your mind and your body maybe mistakenly assess the situation as like a problem for your survival when really it just feels uncomfortable. You know, what do you think are like the biggest self-sabotage triggers that people go through that you've seen that you're like, okay, this seems to be like you know, a commonality. Like I see this over and over again. Yeah. Well, I tell people life happens and that's actually an acronym for like the most common self-sabotage triggers. And so life L I F E L stands for low or shaky self-esteem related to the name of your podcast. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, if you don't believe that you deserve better, you're going to sabotage your own good fortune, right? When people are good to you, you're going to suspect them. Like, why are you being nice to me? You know, and that's going to obviously lead to certain negative consequences. I stands for internalized beliefs. This is also so important. These are the lessons that you learn from childhood, 
mostly from your parents and other important adults. And either it's because they explicitly told you something or you saw them behave in crises and you're like, oh, they seem really afraid all the time. Maybe I should be afraid of the world too. Um, F stands for fear of change or the unknown. And you know, certain personality traits are a little bit better with change and other ones are not so much. So people are on this continuum. And so if you're on a continuum where change kind of scares you a bit more, then that might be your most likely trigger. And finally, E, and this is like for all my perfectionists out there, go-getters, you know, excessive need for control. It's a big one. Like wanting to control things. We're all control freaks in some ways. Mm -hmm. Some people are more control freaks than others. And sometimes if you can't control everything, then you don't even take a step forward. You're like, nope, if I can't, if I can't be the one calling the shots here, then I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. And then you get in your own way when you do that. And I see that happening a lot, especially in relationships, because obviously you have a second person there, you can't control them. But I can't tell you how many times I've worked with successful business people and they're just like, I don't want a relationship anyway. I'm like, you do, but you just don't want to like put yourself up to that vulnerability of like maybe having that person not love you back or, you Why know. do you think people do that? Why do you think they put themselves in a place because we're all craving human connection. Why would someone not want to be in a relationship? What's the root cause of that? I think mostly it's fear. It's, it's fear that maybe you're going to be vulnerable and then they're going to use it against you. And it's also fear that, you know, then you're going to have to bear your soul. I don't think that everybody wants to do that. I think people want to project this part of themselves that's like happy, wonderful, amazing. But that's only the first part of a relationship. Like once you actually get to know somebody, you live your day to day with them, you get to know their idiosyncrasies and things are not going to look perfect all the time. And I think that sometimes people who are really driven for perfection have a hard time, hard with, time that. with that. But it sucks to be so lonely. I think what are, you know, now that we're talking about that, I think that's, that's something great. So someone that maybe is going through that has a fear, especially now, because right now living at home, you really are faced with, like with the reality of your relationship. So if you have a hard time being vulnerable with your partner, what are things that they could do like instantly to connect, like to have a better connection with their partner? I think it's all about taking the time to slow down and trying to have quality time without distractions. I think it's so hard right now because, you know, you can be thinking that you're having quality time, but you're watching TV, looking at the phone at the same time, like thinking about all this stuff in your mind. I think that people are just trying to rush through things and then maybe they're uncomfortable with like the silence. One of my favorite things to do actually is to like sit by myself and like have dinner by myself. Like, and you know, I think that that felt a little bit scary at first, you know, because I really, why before the pandemic, I think it feels like, Oh, people are going to judge me. If I walk into a restaurant by myself, like I don't have a date and I'm just by myself, but actually I grew to love it. And I think that it it takes time to get there because sometimes you're thinking people are judging you. Yeah. You're so caught up in the, in the whole mental, like what if, what if, what if, what if, what now? And the reactions people will have. Yeah. But you know what? Guess what? No one cares about you. Even if they have a judgment about you, they might think one thing and then boop, they forgot. They're just having their wine and they've totally moved on to some other topic, you know? But I think in the beginning, it feels kind of more scary to be on your own. And I talk to people who have a hard time being on their own or like have a hard time with like meditation. And I'm like, well, why is that? And they say, well, I don't really want to look inside and be scared of what I find. And I'm like, but you know what, when you look inside and you, and you see what you find, it's never as scary as you think it is. When you actually take the time to look and like take that deep breath and have the courage to look, it's not that scary, girl. <laughs> no, and I think it's so important. That, you know, I know that a lot of people are so scared to look inward, but I think it's so important because number one, answers so many questions to your day-to-day actions, day-to-day choices. And then on top of it, it give her, gives you a deeper sense of, okay, this is what I like. 
this is who I'm about. This is what pisses me off. This is my trigger. You get to understand your triggers. And I think when you get to know yourself so much better and deeper, you're able to have healthier relationships outward with other people. Why? Because you understand yourself. You know what you can tolerate, what you won't tolerate. You know how, how you can love. You know what you're willing to give. I mean, it gives you so many and it, so many just answers and just um, it really teaches you about yourself. And I feel like I know jumping from relationship to relationship and just going through so many highs and lows in my life. I was so afraid to look inward and get to know myself. I didn't know how I liked my breakfast. I liked what my current partner liked or, you know, what going out with my kids, you know, I took them to wherever they wanted, but I didn't really know, you know, do I enjoy this or how about we do something that I like, you know, get to know me and, and what my hobbies are. I didn't until I was completely alone for several years and really took the time to look inward. Like, why, why did I do that? Do you find that to be something that just, you know, people just overthink about those little things? Yeah. And I think I want to just like honor what you're saying, because I think it obviously, I mean, it's so great that you're being so honest with your listeners and saying, Hey, these are the things that I struggled with, but I think it's resonating with everyone because we've all struggled with that at various times in our life. Who likes to look inward because you are going to find some things that aren't so great. Yeah. And sometimes you find things that you don't really like about yourself. Like, like there are some things when I look into myself and I'm like, Ooh, I really don't like that part of my personality. Girl, what don't you like about yourself? I'm a really impatient person, like super impatient. And I've been trying to work on it all my life, but I'm still an impatient person. Hold on. When, where, where's this impatience that I have never seen this impatience about you? Cause you are such a like lovely, peaceful person. And I've never seen you pissed off either. Oh my God. Well, then you should hear me on the phone with customer service people. <laughs> Even if you think that they might be incompetent or not good at their job, like they're trying their best, like, you know, like, but I, I mean, you should hear me sometimes. I'll be like, as I've already explained to you three times, like, I mean, I, I'm like, I have a condescending side to me that I, I hate lines. Like when I'm in lines, I mean, you should see me. I'm so passive aggressive. And I have to be like, no, like at the post office, it's like eight people in front of me, they're taking forever. And I'll just be like this. <sighs> So, you know, I catch myself doing these things and I'm like, you know what? Like you're a little judgy sometimes. You're a little chill. chill the F out. And so, like, like I said, when you do look inside, sometimes you find these character traits that you don't love about yourself, but like who looks inside and is being honest and actually likes everything about themselves. Like that's crazy. Like, yes. so like you said, it's so important to look inward, figure out what it is that you want figure out what you like, because that's how you learn healthy boundaries. That's how you learn. Here's where I, here's what I will take. Here's what I won't take. Right. You know, yeah. here are my firm lines. And also here's where I can improve and be a better person. And we shouldn't be afraid because all of us are going through that same process, right? Transformation is never over. It's a lifelong no. journey. It's a life. We're always students, girl writing. Now you wrote your book, stop self-sabotage. Did that, like, how do you feel? Did you learn about how you sabotaged your own self in different ways throughout writing, you know, the book? Are you like, I mean, was this like this aha moment? Because I know when writing my book, I'm like, damn, why did I, why did I make that decision? Why did I feel that? And I, you know, I look back and I'm like, all right, okay. I remember this, but then there's, it just becomes so much clearer. You're like, okay, that was not that person's fault. I have to own that. That was completely my fault. Yep. It's all about accepting what you really should accept as your own mistakes and then correcting them, but also not over apologizing. I just wrote a, t uh, a 
a post about this on Instagram yesterday, because I think, especially as women, sometimes we over apologize when it's not our fault. So like, it's important definitely to do that reflection. And when I was writing, it was so great. It was such a rich time in my life. I reflected on everything I learned, like how I was working with my patients, what I saw in my family and friends, but also what I saw in myself. And I think my primary driver of self-sabotage, which is something I always have to watch is procrastination. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I think in my youth, I used as a way to like say, but this is when I do my best work. You know, I, I wait till the last minute then I get like super, like super excited and like I'm super motivated, but then eventually you screw up. And like, that is the worst thing that I could do. Like, I hate that feeling of not being prepared now. And so I think I definitely learned some lessons because at first you're like, oh, procrastination is not going to a problem. And then you start to suffer consequences. You know, you get called out by your bosses, you know, they catch your mistakes. They're like this. And then as you get older and you have more responsibilities, the mistakes really mean something like these are people's like data or like things that you're doing that like actually have impact, right? You can't just keep doing that. And so I think it really does make me think though, that a lot of times when people do procrastinate, it comes from a place of positivity. It's like, I want to be perfect when I do something. So I don't want to start until I'm ready. You know, there's all these things that we tell ourselves that are actually sabotaging our best efforts, but in our minds, there was a logic to it. How can we look at self-sabotage, you know, and look at it? Okay. I did this. And even if I don't tell anybody, there was a lesson to be learned. How can we learn as human beings to look at those deep, horrible moments that sometimes we go through or just when we own our mistakes and just look at it as, okay, don't like it. I might not want to share it with the world, but what is the lesson? I think it's all about, I mean, it's kind of like what you just said right there, where it's just like, just accepting that it is what it is and accepting that you're going to have emotions about it. I think sometimes we're so afraid, especially in our culture of negative emotion. And it's really not our fault. Like we're taught every day in our culture to like only talk about the things that are happy. And when you look at like the ads on TV, like everyone's happy all the time, you know? I mean, I always laugh when I look at those medication ads and they're reading that long list of horrible side effects and they're like skipping across the lawn. I'm like, no, like, no, you know? But that's just the way our culture works. And I think that, so it's not all of our fault, but it is something that our culture really desires, this idea of like not having any negative emotion. But without negative emotion, how are you going to know positive emotion? And also all emotions are telling us something. It's adaptive and it's evolutionary. So you need to look at that emotion and be like, why am I feeling this way? What does this mean? What can I learn from you? And that's kind of what I think. You know, I think that when people get used to their discomfort and they know that it's temporary because all emotions are temporary, then they'll start to be able to get back on the train a lot quicker instead of saying, well, I'm just going to forget it, write this whole thing off. I failed. It's like, no, you can feel bad for a few hours and then just get back on the horse. It's no big deal. I see. And I think that's so important. Allow yourself to feel those emotions. If you failed at something, that's okay. I mean, that, that, that's, that's life directing you saying, Hey, this isn't working. I mean, it's not the end all of everything, but you know, I mean, you and I, you've seen me go through some moments where I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. And I go through and I'm pissed. I'm literally pissed because I'm having a hard time surrendering. Um, When Face the Truth ended, I was pissed about that. And I had a hard time like dealing with that. And then I'm like, okay, 
I allow myself, you know, I, I, I give it a different story and, you know, that was a door that got closed and something better is going to come. And I've learned it was, it was an educational step forward for me to learn and to keep growing and figure out, is this something that I really want to do? Is this something that I want to continue? And then I got to learn about myself. So being able to look at those moments that I thought that it was just like the end of the world. It wasn't, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. And then also not letting that negative movie playing your head over and over. Cause sometimes that movie never happens. What do you tell people that do that? Yeah. You know, that whole idea of catastrophizing again, it comes from a protective place. Your mind is trying to protect you, but you can't fast forward to the future to some unknown thing that has a 1% chance of happening. So I think when you wrote, mm. notice yourself doing that, what my favorite technique is to say, thank you to my mind. So I've named my mind, my, my mind is named Betty and I'll be like, thanks Betty, but I got this. Like, it's just to, to remind yourself that I recognize that you're just trying to protect me, but you're like a little overkill right now. You're like that overprotective parent. I need you to like stay away and let me do this. <laughs> Girl, you named your mind Betty. You're so sweet. Sometimes the voices in my head and people are gonna, like that negative voice that pops up. And sometimes I'm just like, shut the fuck up. I will say it loud when that voice like really gets to me. Cause sometimes it fills me with fear. And sometimes it's just like, it's just like you hear that inner voice just like talking shit or just like being negative and it will get so overwhelming and I could feel the emotions in my stomach, even though I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to give it life, but I hear it so strongly and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And sometimes I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so I'm not, I have a name. Maybe I think I should take that technique and be a little bit nicer. So like that, I could just be like. Thank you. I'm going to find a name for you, Lola. Yeah, Lola and Betty will have a lot to talk about. <laughs> All right, girl. So this is where we're going to do something that I like to do, Rosie's Takeaways, where we talk about moments of adversity and the lessons that we learn from those moments. Can you tell me one of those moments of adversity in your life that really taught you a huge lesson and changed you forever? Oh, for sure. So probably the biggest moment of adversity is when I lost my grandmother. Um, she was like a second mother to me. I mean, she raised me, you know, my parents, um, in we were in Taiwan at the time and they were both trying to hustle and make ends meet for our family. And both of them had two jobs. And so who was the one cooking my meals? Who was the one walking me to and from school? It was my grandmother. And so I grew up with her. I had such a strong bond with her. And then when we moved to America, like we would still have visits with her and stuff, but you know, we, we asked her to come move to America to be with us, but she's like, no, she's like, I have all my friends in Taiwan. It doesn't make sense. So, so I was totally respect that decision, but obviously I miss her a lot. And then five years ago, she passed away and it was just horrific. You know, um, she had cancer and the cancer had metastasized to all the different parts of her body. It was in her bones and everything. And so we knew that she only had a few months. And so it was a really tough time because it was also when I was getting married and she actually passed away, um, only a couple of months after my wedding. And so, um, after she passed away though, I mean, I can say to this day, even though it's been over five years that I still have so much grief about it. And I, I felt like whenever she was alive, even though we were far away, she was like totally across the whole ocean. I felt safe. Like I felt like I was protected. Mm -hmm. And then once she died, I felt like I wasn't protected anymore. And there would just be days where I would wake up and I would just start crying. And I understand that grief comes in waves and it never goes away. But like, sometimes I'm so shocked at, at like how hard I took it. And even now, I think there's some certain days I just really miss her and I just start crying too. Um, but but in, the, in the months right after she died, I definitely felt like a huge existential crisis. 
like, I just kind of felt like I was always thinking about my mortality, my own death, my parents' death. Like if it was going to come up, I felt like all of this anxiety about like this idea of like the moment of death, like things that I never thought about because I was in my mid thirties. And I feel like sometimes you feel a little bit invincible when you're in your twenties and thirties, you're like, eh, like, ah, like, yeah, you really don't think about that. Yeah. Um, but I think once she died, it just made it so much more poignant for me. And for the first time in my life, I had like all of these fears about not being protected. And it was really different than how I've ever felt. And I mean, I, I would like to say that, like, I think it's still a journey. I still have those feelings, but ultimately it taught me the lesson of, you know what, like your life and your identity is not your career. Like, I love my career. I love my job, but I'm an over, I, I overwork myself a lot. I'm a little bit of a workaholic. And I realized that at the end of your life, are you really just going to be thinking about your, con- like, nobody cares about how many awards you won. Like, no, you care yeah. about the relationships that you have with your family. Yeah. And the memories that you have with people that you love and the things that you cherish experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, our time on face of truth is definitely going to go down in time as one of like my most memorable experiences, you know? And so I think it really taught me to like be a bit more balanced because I think that existential crisis is all about like, okay, what do you want your life to look like? You know, um, you obviously want to be a productive person, but you can't do that at the exclusion of everything else. And I think actually the pandemic has like kicked that up even more because now the nuclear family is so much more important, you know? Yeah time with them. And I've become very domesticated cooking every day and like all that stuff, but it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, okay, but these are the kind of things that you're going to remember. It's not going to be how many books you write, even though that's nice, but it's about the relationships you have. And, you know, whenever I do still cry about my grandmother now, I feel like I'm just honoring her. Like, yeah, I love her so much that it still impacts me to this day. Um, but it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot that once she left, it really made me look at like, what's truly important in life with the very short time that we have on this earth? Like, what do you want that to consist of? Yeah. Well, mama, thank you so much for sharing that moment. And I know she's looking down and she's so proud of you. So my cherished memory is to, you know, is that, you know, I got to meet you and you were one of the people on face the truth that just like open arms and you were just you allowed you, it was just a place where I could be myself. You never judged me with my ups and downs. And I was going through a learning process and, um, you're just, you're really a genuine, authentic person. And I appreciate that about you. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the podcast and taking the time to share a little bit about everything and just opening about yourself too, because I think people don't, you know, they see you and they don't really understand. Sometimes they have this idea that, you know, they see someone that's public and they're like, that person's perfect. They have a perfect life. They never go through shit. And this is what I like about these takeaways that we get to see the vulnerable side. We get to see the real side and get to know you a little bit better and a little bit deeper. And I love you so much, Rosie. And you've always been such a good example of that. And of course, I wouldn't judge you because we're all people who have go- going through these ups and downs at different times in our lives. And it's life. We got to be okay with that and be honest with it. And I actually think that that's what makes you so inspirational for so many people because they look at you and they say, okay, but if that happens to Rosie, then maybe it's okay that it happens to me. And it's an important message right now because depression is up. Anxiety is up. Frustration is up. The pandemic is really affecting people's mental health and how they feel about themselves. So I think 
everything that you're doing now and this podcast is just going to give people hope. And that's really all we want at the end of the day is to feel hopeful about our lives and our future. Girl, I think you and I are on the same page, always saying, God, use me, use me, use me wherever I go, use me. And if you're dealing with depression, sadness, or anger, frustration, and you need a little inspiration, I'm always all about looking for inspiration, looking quick ways to really transform that energy. Mama, where can they find you? Don't forget to pick up the book, Stop Self-Sabotage. Where can they find you? So please grab a copy of Stop Self-Sabotage. It's available wherever books are sold, including Amazon. And you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Judy Ho or check out my website, drjudyho.com. Mama, sending you a big hug. I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to connect in person, physically, like to be there and give you a big hug. I miss you. No, I really miss hugs. You know what? I haven't hugged anybody other than my husband for the last six months. So I'm ready for a real hug, girl. <laughs> I'm going to pick you up, girl. <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much, mama. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. I'm Rosa Mercado, and we just finished listening to Dr. Judy Ho. Talk about your grief when you feel that you're ready. Some people find it helpful to tell stories of their loss of loved ones or to talk about exactly what they're feeling or whatever's on your mind. Sometimes a person doesn't feel like talking about loss and no, but that's okay too. No one should ever pressure you to talk until you feel completely ready. Do it in your own timing. The most important thing is that you do it. Remember, grief is shown in different ways for everyone. Now you're gonna find moments that you don't feel like talking, but find ways to express and release your emotions and thoughts. I found that writing in a journal about the memories, feelings, and emotions you have of the person you lost and how you're feeling since the loss helps so much. And you could do it in your own private time. Something else that helped me was to preserve memories, create a memorial or a tribute to the person who passed by planting a tree, doing a garden, something that you could honor this person that makes you happy. Also things that you could do is include mementos, photos, or whatever you choose of this person. You could even write a letter to the person that you lost. In it, you might wanna include your feelings, things that you wanted to say that maybe you never got to, or perhaps just a simple thank you to your loved one for being a part of your life. Most important, if you feel lonely, join a support group. Ask a parent, school counselor, a friend, or even your own church how to find one. And if you don't feel comfortable asking, you can always look online. You don't have to be alone with your feelings or your pain. Remember, I am always here to help, always here to grow with you. If you want to hear more about my journey, be sure to check out my memoir, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, available both in English and Spanish through HarperCollins and HarperOne. You can find the link to purchase in the show description wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya learning podcast. To access my Own Your Shit handbook filled with key insights and exercises and to join a community where you can chat with me directly, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie and enter promo code Rosie at checkout for your first 14 days absolutely free. I hope to chat with you there.